tackles. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking center shot. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. That is right, your host, Fino, alongside. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to The Pack. A place where we always embrace the Spartan debate. Your host, Fino, alongside Faith Krogalecki and John Yales behind the glass. And our, our social media intern guy that always has our tweets and every second sound, Tyler Beck, is also with us here as well. Getting all your calls as we continue to embrace the Spartan debate on the pack. 517-432-3893 is our number. Feel free to call in if you want to embrace it with us. I promised you, Faith, I might be a pistol today. So, big stuff. <laughs> Kicking off the show, we have a big show today, talking a lot about MSU football, and to me, all this hullabaloo about this watch list and the expectations, the Michigan State website, you know, the Remington Trophy, Jack Allen, you know, the Maxwell Award, all the watches, you know, I'm just not into that, and we'll talk about it later, how I think all the watch lists is a bunch of crap, I really do. Um, I don't care that Jeremy Langford and Connor Cook is all about it. On the Maxwell Award watch list, College Player of the Year. Yeah, thanks. I didn't know that. that. That's what the Maxwell Award is. After we debate that, we'll talk a little Lansing United. Brian Cunningham will join us on the show. Lansing United forward winger. Three goals in the season, pretty nice. As they celebrate not only a Great Lakes West Divisional Championship, they celebrate a Midwest Regional Championship. And in my opinion, faith in against all odds situation for Lansing United. They swoon the community. 10,000 fans see Lands United and their inaugural NPSL season. Excellent story. Nothing but swimming success for Jeremy Sanson, Coach Rudlin, <clears throat> Dave Ellis' media staff, and all those guys over there. They've done a phenomenal job. I will have a little entice Lands United rant a little later in the show. Be sure to listen in for that. And closing out the show, Faith, we're going to talk about ESPN versus Time Warner. Rupert Murdoch's failed 80 billion dollar bid to buy Time Warner Cable is undervalued, apparently, according to Rupert Murdoch So, and all his associates. So that's pretty interesting. Brian Cunningham will join us on the show at 7.05 Eastern Time, so stand by with us. But before we go further and kind of discuss what's really burning on my mind, because Fino's Kitchen Faith, you know someone's going to get burnt. And unfortunately, in this case, it happened to be me. That's right. It happened to me, Fiend folks. I made a bet with Faith, and I'm a man of my word. And I know John Yales has the clip here, and we're going to have him play it, of what I thought about this World Cup final. And I know, look, we're not talking about the World Cup final. This has nothing to do with the game of soccer. This has nothing to do with soccer. I repeat that. It's simply, when I, I usually win bets. I usually, I usually go into bets and I win. That's how confident I feel. But unfortunately... Fino can't always come out on top, and we'll see this with this final bet I made with Faith. Here's my bet with you. If, okay, so I'll give you Netherlands too. You'll get Netherlands and Germany. I'll take Brazil and Argentina. You take Team Europe, I'll take Team South America. If a European team wins the World Cup, again, I'll buy you dinner in this area. So you don't pick like China. <laughs> in this area, I will buy you a dinner. Black Cat Bistro. Great, All right. Great place. And we'll go there. And if they lose, nothing. That's how confident I am. That's how so I won't even have to buy you dinner? Nothing. All right. You just have to live with the fact that I'm right. Oh, crap. I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, neither could I. But the <laughs> fact is, I was wrong. And I was so confident about this bet, John. It's pretty unbelievable how confident I was. You know what? I'm not going to sit here disappointed on this Monday afternoon, 7.04 Eastern time, basement of Holden Hall, and say, you know what? I'm upset with this bet because I was very confident, T-Beck, and I didn't lack confident. We'll play the clip we here. We're splitting it up. We're cutting right in half on the table here. It's Fino and Austin over here. Faith and Yale's in their fantasy world over there. Yeah, fantasy. Clueless. Oh, my God. You guys are so clueless, you'd fall out of a boat and not hit water. Yeah. I could listen to those clips over and over Yeah, again. you can. So now I'm, we bring Faith Kogalecki, a panelist here on the pack, onto the show. Faith, you have chosen 
what as your dinner of choice. So the listeners of Mid-Michigan <laughs> know that when I'm wrong about a bet, which is rare, Tyler, which is a rare thing, and T-Beck is our social media guy here in studio with us, which is rare, Faith. But you know what? I'm wrong here, and I'm living up to – I'm a man of my word. Yes, I appreciate that you're owning up to that. But, yes, I've chosen Black Cat Bistro, so we'll be going at least sometime this week because next week's sometime my birthday. So Oh, it's your birthday. Yes. <clears throat> two zero, big two zero. Yep. Well, we'll celebrate that at a later date. Yep, T-Beck, <laughs> congratulations to that as well. Uh, so I'm wrong about that bet. That's fine. We'll go to Black Cat Bistro. We're waiting for Brian Cunningham here to call in studio, and we're going to debate a little bit about Lands United and their successful season fate. But let's talk about that a little bit before we bring Brian on the show. Lands United, some pretty good stuff out of them this first season. No, it was really interesting, and I think everybody was really excited to see how they would fare. And they definitely exceeded everybody's expectations. And so we'll get into it. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit to Brian about it. But um, I'm excited to see what next year already has to offer. Me too, and I'm really excited. And I think... <clears throat> Although Lands United looked really good this season, how does Detroit City FC feel this season? I'm going to argue they feel pretty crappy. And I think they feel pretty crappy about themselves because everyone thought the established supporter groups, the Northern Guard, all the all the supporter groups that they have, I believe they have three. can't think of the other two on the top of my head. Um, La Rogue, I think, is one of them. Whatever. The point is, I think DCFC feels pretty crappy about themselves because a team like Lanyu with nothing established – Jeremy Sampson, the owner of Lands United, put a lot on the line. He won't admit to us on the show financially how much he's put into the show and what it's meant for him. But you know what? Who cares about the finances of it? I think what it matters is he has given so much to this community. You can see it, though, how hard the players play, how much it means to the coaching staff, to the media staff that's affiliated with the team, and even the reporters spending in the press box, Faith. You can see how invested they are in the team, although they have to take a biased take. So to me, when I look at this Lanyu team, they're very deserving of this divisional championship. They're very deserving of this regional championship. And we wish them all the best in New Jersey as they play the New York Red Bulls U23 Academy team in the national semifinals in Hanover, New Jersey, Sunday at 7 p.m. With that being said, we welcome Brian to the show. Brian Cunningham, a forward of Lanyu United, we welcome in here. Brian, it's good to have you on the pack with us tonight. Hello? I can't yeah, hear you. What's yeah, going on? Yeah, Brian, how are you? Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm doing well. How are you doing? We're not, you know, we're doing better after that game yesterday. I'll tell you that. That was a hell of a performance yeah. from Lands United, and how unbelievable! I'm speechless. I can only imagine what you, what what you can even put to words about how much this championship means to the Mid Michigan community. I mean, yeah, you said it yourself right there, man. Just speechless. Like, man, the guys are just we're really up that you know the team has come together like all season. It's uh, it's been it's been a long road. We've been working hard from the beginning, and everybody came in. We're just excited that the hard work is paying off. You know, something really special is going on in Lansing. We're talking with Brian Cunningham, the forward of Lansing United, winger as well. Brian, let me ask you this: going into the season, there wasn't really an expectation, at least not to the fans and really to the media per se. So we didn't really have it, the inside scoop of the locker room. Was there feeling of belief? really going into the season that you could accomplish all that you've accomplished? Yeah, definitely. From day one, when we all showed up, there was something that resonated throughout the entire group, and that was just, you know, belief in ourselves. I mean, everybody kind of came out and didn't know what to expect, but we knew that we wanted to win. We knew that we all wanted to get better as players. And we kind of saw, like, in the management team and definitely in Jeremy, like, we, we saw that, there was like a dream. You know when somebody has like that, that special feeling in them, you can kind of see it and mm -hmm. give off that energy. So we definitely fed off of that, and that's kind of what has been driving us all season long. Let me ask you this, Brian, as well. Not only did you guys have that sense of belief in the locker room, as you mentioned, <laughs> what can you say about what the fans brought to the games? And really, no one knew if fans would keep showing up in the numbers they did. Ends up over 10,000 fans show up. Any message you would have to say for the fans and the supporters of this Lands United team? The, the fans are just unbelievably great. They are just, I, I can't even, you know, like, the Suns of Ransom, how they came together, I guess they started as three guys, and then now when you look in the, you know, the Suns of Ransom section, mm -hmm. it's like 100 people, they're just beating drums, they're making noise, they're just so happy. I mean, we celebrated with them after we got the trophy, it was just amazing. Um. The fans are just great, man, especially, you know, in, in a small community. Uh, I remember, the like, looking at the capacity for the stadium, and originally it said 700, and I think we've had, like, over 800. Even. I think our average attendance is somewhere near 1,000. Yeah, it's, it's around there. So, 
Yeah, so I mean, I mean that that speaks for itself, you know. And they keep coming out, and they 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 really are supportive of it. And Brian, thank you so much for coming on, and congratulations once again. But going off of the whole fan experience at the stadium, you know, what's it like going to play away from East Lansing? You know, you won't have that large fan support. So, what is it going to be like playing away from home? We've had we've had a bunch of different experiences, really playing away from home. Um, We've had, I remember we went up on one trip and there was like nobody in the stands really. It kind of felt almost like a practice match. And then you've got the exact opposite of that with, you know, Detroit City who has like 3,000 people who come out to their games where you can't really hear a thing on the field and you really got to rely on visual cues and stuff like that. I mean, going away for this national semifinal, um, I don't really think it's a disadvantage. I think that we can perform you know, away just as well as we do at home. I mean, it's a bonus having, you know, our fans with us. But as a matter of fact, I think the Sons of Ransom are coming. So I think a little bit of home is coming with us. That's incredible. And, you know, speaking to you personally, you know, what do you think your role was coming into the season compared to what it is now, what it has developed into? Um, I, so I guess when we all showed up, we kind of just said work hard um, and get results fight for each other and then you know the, the team kind of you know like you know as the season goes on like the team develops in a way where guys have different roles guys kind of find out who plays what style what they expect from different players and I think as we've just come on as a team like entirely we've all been able to kind of impress our style into the total Lancet United style so my role personally um I bring an attacking presence um a speed presence, right, or a speed element to the game. So I think that's what I've kind of, uh, I'm also kind of a, a clown around the guys, kind of try to keep everybody lighthearted. And, um, you know, that, that kind of, I guess, on and off the field personality. And this week, personally, what are you trying to improve on for that national semifinal match? I'm sorry, can you come again? Yeah. Um, this week, what are you trying to improve on personally for that national semifinal match? I think this week is just about making sure that I mean, we played Saturday, Sunday. So this entire week is going to be about rest, recuperation, regeneration, and getting my body back to primal fitness for the weekend again, just preparing mentally. Because uh, in these games where it's winner go home, uh, more so than physical lapses, you've got mental lapses. So just staying for me mentally in the game, you know, tuned in and focused. And, you know, I have to look towards after this season. After the season, what are you planning on doing? Would you like to return to Lanu or what are your future plans? Uh, definitely professional opportunities. I mean, I've, I've got some things in the works right now. I'm very grateful for. I've got some good people in my corner helping me out. So hopefully I'll be returning to the professional ranks after the season. And, you know, Lanu's been great to me and it's definitely been a, a great place to develop as a player. But I'd definitely love to go back to professional ball and hopefully get back into the eyes of the national team. We're talking with Brian Cunningham, Lansing United forward. Brian, um, you know, a couple questions before we let you go. You got a game on Sunday, 7 p.m. in New Jersey against the New York Red Bulls U23 team. Have you seen anything out of this club and kind of know what to expect? Um, No, not really. I mean, I know a few of the, like, Guys that were on the coaching staff, I'm not sure if they're with them anymore, actually. I haven't really looked too much into it. Uh, I don't really know too much about the side, but I've always been the type of player that would rather play my game and have the other team adjust to me. And I'm sure a lot of the other guys on the team feel that way. So even though we don't know much about them, you know, we're going to go into it and, and impose ourselves on them. No doubt about it, Brian. Well, we just want to wish you all the best this Sunday this Sunday night in Hanover, New Jersey, against the New York Red Bulls U23 team. Incredible season, really. We've been talking about you guys here on the Pact all season long. We wish you the best, Brian, and go get them on Sunday. Thank you very much. You guys enjoy your evening. Thanks, Brian. You take care. Bye-bye. That was Brian Cunningham, Lansing United forward, talking with us here on the Pact. And, look, he's been nothing but great. He's been nothing short of exceptional for this, this team, Faith. And I think what it's shown a lot of what lands United has meant to this community. And yes, they've meant a lot. Yes, they've done a lot. But Jeremy Sampson has succeeded all the expectations. Yes, 
they were it, it growing pains here and there. But you know what? Even if they lose, because in my prediction, you know, not to dampen the whole party, I think they're going to lose on Sunday. I really do. It's a good team. They're 12-0. and But you know what? I think that doesn't take away the fact that, you know what? They were divisional champions against all odds. They were Midwest regional champions against all odds. They're going to go into that national semifinal and attempt to try to kick some butt. We'll see what they can do, but I don't I don't like their chances. But not to mention, in their inaugural year, their first year, they're accomplishing so much, like I said, exceeding everybody's expectations. And I just have a question for you, Fino. Maybe mm-hmm. you can answer this sure. a little bit. But the attendance was down these last two games, and they were the two biggest games out of the season so far. Obviously, this next one will be the biggest. But the attendance was a little bit down. And I was just wondering what you thought about that. I thought the attendance was. I didn't have any big. I didn't have a big deal about the attendance. Brian said it in our interview. Faith, the average official capacity for Archer Stadium is 700 people. If you look at any of the media notes that we've had in the press box that they've reported, they've been over 700 every single time, an exception for the friendly, which they counted 640 people. But we know everyone under the sun that there wasn't 640 people there. There's a little lower than that, but that's a friendly. So in my opinion, I'm not worried about that. Because, Faith, you got to remember, these last two games, $10 to get in that stadium. You know, this what this what we know economically where mid-Michigan is. It's finally coming up with, you know, the auto industry. Fine, but $10 a ticket is a steep price, not including the $15 two-day pass. That being said, Faith, I don't have a problem with the attendance to over 10,000 people for this Land U team. I don't got a problem with it. I really don't. And you know what? They've they've just completely, and I mean completely, overshot all the expectations they have had. In my opinion, the bar was set very low because you just didn't know. But guess what? They killed it. And do you think you'll have guys coming to Lansing United because of the success that they've seen? You know, these guys who want to look to play professionally. I think, yeah. Want that, that first stepping stone. Yeah, I think that's the big thing when you look at it. Jeremy wants to just give a platform of soccer in mid-Michigan. That's all he wants to do. And if guys can go professionally, look at Brian's, like a couple things are in the works. He's not going to really give us that information of what he has going on. You know his agent is working the phones. We know Tyler Pasher, the Canadian. He's kind of working. He has an agent working the phones. And Jeremy's trying to help him do so. And Jeremy will tell us as much as he tells us on the show. And he's been helpful for these players. And he's given these players a platform of, you know, showcasing what their ability is. Matt Brown, the same thing. God knows how much he paid for Matt Brown to come over here. Because, you know, he paid for something, featured on LNS, you know, all this and beyond. He has done a lot, and he's had a exceptional season as well. So I think what he's done to the community is the big thing, and giving back. And I'm just curious to you know from John, from a media perspective, because John was a media intern, so there's only so much he can delve into this bay without getting in trouble. But, John, I'm just curious to you know from a media perspective, were they working for the team? What was your experience out of this and what these players and what they meant to the community? Well, I think they – like he said, they easily came together and built that camaraderie. Um, and I think that's to credit the way Eric worked, the way he brought them together, um, the way Jeremy kind of ran the team. Um, working for Jeremy was obviously great. Um, I have no complaints there. But uh, just talking about the team in general, I, there is some worries that, yeah, everything's going perfect right now, but there's always how can you sustain it? Um, sustainability think, is important. Yeah, and, and in anything with sports, is it's winning. We're winning right now. It's a great team. The concern is down the road, if you have mediocre seasons, are you still drawing those 700 people? Are you making it to the playoffs? Um, are you doing that thing? Um, and then from a media side, just maintaining throughout the offseason an interest level in Lansing United. Because it's not like MLS where it's an eight, nine-month season where it's going all the time. This is a three-month season, and then everything else is off season. So keeping people interested in this team all seven, eight months of off season is a difficulty. It's a difficult thing, John, but America lives, breathes, Eat winners. And when you have a winner, a divisional winner, a conference winner, essentially, or regional winner, I call it a conference, whatever. But when you have a winner in the community, it's very easy to rile around a team that's great versus a team that just flat out sucks. So in my opinion, when you look at it, you have a winner. I I think they're going to have the people. And I will say this. Next season, I think they shatter the 10,000 people they have attended. Yeah, if they're the same quality on the field, I think they can do that. They'll build the following. The same people will come. More and more will continue to come. But it, it comes down to winning, ultimately. But um, just kind of like a a perspective that I kind of liked was thinking about 
the team and how they're going to represent the city of Lansing going into New Jersey and traveling across the country and going to a national tournament. There's really been no team that represents Lansing alone that's done this. There's been like there's Michigan State, but everyone knows they don't represent Lansing. They represent Michigan State University. You have to be an alumni to feel what represented. Yeah. It's not the city as much. So like the Lugnuts, they don't even really play single A World Series has been on and off. They have national well, just, tournaments. Yeah, it, they're just terrible. That's that's another thing. They just don't go that far into playoffs because it's just about developmental. So there's exactly. been, this is the in my opinion, I could be wrong, but I feel like this is the first team in Lansing that has kind of the city the that. city yeah. and the community has gathered around them and they support that. They support that fan base. They support the name Lansing and they're going across the country representing East Lansing and Lansing. Yes, I can't argue that. And you know you make a great point. And I would love to embrace this part debate with you, but I simply just cannot. Because that's an accurate statement. I don't when you look at the lug nuts, a baseball farm team is simply based on development. When you look at a university, yeah, East Lansing, Lansing is Michigan State, but the university represents itself. It really is it'll say it cares about its community because East Lansing is Michigan State University. Lansing is not. So to me, ironically, although they play in East Lansing Archer Soccer Complex, I think this is the true even though it's an amateur professional team, we'll call it, that is represent Michigan very well, Faith. So when I look at it and I take everything said and done, they can get their ass kicked next week or this coming week on Sunday, and it won't matter. Because when I look at Lansing, what they have done for this community is more than anyone could ever fathom. Because you look at it, you look in yourself in the mirror and go, you know what, this team's success. You watch kids coming in with Land U gear. Everyone's excited. They did it right. And I'm glad Jeremy didn't do it on the cheap. Because if you do it on the cheap, you'll end up like Michigan Bucks. Just no one cares. <laughs> but when you do it right, you breed the team, the community, and that's how you build a fan base. We've asked them on the show, Fade, hey, do you like what you're doing with the supporters group? Because I've been honest with them. I think what he's doing with Sons of Ransom is wrong. I don't think a supporter group is family-friendly. It should not be. They're a supporter group. They're a supporter group. That's an interesting. Yeah, I I I point. think what they did with Lansing with with their Sons of Ransom is wrong. But he can come back and say, you know what, Fino, we're friggin' champions, and he's right. And you know what? He's also said Brian Cunningham with our interview with him. They start up with three people, guys just painting drums in a basement, taking donations for any flags, and flags, tipos, anything, hundred people. That's what people. they breed. So when you look at it, Faith, I have I have no problem with what Lansing United has done completely. So thanks, Brian, for coming on the show. We really, really appreciate it. But when we come back here on the pack, we are going to talk about Michigan State football. I got a lot of things to get off my chest. I promise you it's a debate you do not want to miss here on 88.9 FM, WDBM, The Pack. You're listening to The Pack on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pact. That is right. Welcome back to the pack. Your host, Fino, taking you all the way to the top of the hour, 8 p.m. Eastern time on 88.9 FM from the basement of Holden Hall. 7.23 Eastern time. We have T-Back to my left, our media guy, Faith in front of me, and John Yale's behind the glass as we continue to embrace the Spartan debate, everyone, and roll forward with our next discussion. And I think, Tyler, you just made me aware of a commit that we just got tweeted right by our own Rico Beard. So what's the deal with that? Felton Davis is a three-star wide receiver. He was targeted by Virginia Tech, which, you know, they're not as good as they used to be, but they're still a solid program. And Michigan State missed out on Miles Boykin, who was their mm-hmm. main target at wide receiver, so it's really big for them to pick out. 
No doubt about it. Yeah, no doubt about Tyler. And let me just recap before we go forward their football segment. Felton Davis III, I should say, has received offers from Louisville, from the U, Michigan State, Missouri, Nebraska, Vanderbilt, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Wisconsin, and West Virginia. So this guy had over 10 offers, and he picks Michigan State. So if that is not a testament of what Michigan State is doing here in East Lansing and kind of what they what they mean to the community, what they mean on a national level, Faith, what a Rose Bowl can do recruiting-wise, and we're seeing, Faith, recruiting-wise, the benefits – of winning big has. And I said it early in our last segment, America breathes winners. And when you have a winner, Faith, people want to come back and join. You can't beat them, Faith. Join them. Exactly my point. Join them. So going forward, I got to get something off my chest. And I, I got I to gotta really think to get off my chest. And I'm, I'm, I'm really not, not happy about it. I'm really not. I'm sick of it. I'm sick and tired of looking at this crap. And we make all this hullabaloo about the watch list, the award watch list. It's like, I get it. We love college football here in the United States of America, but who cares? Honestly, like, who cares? I'm looking at the Michigan State website for or the football portion, and I see, okay, Michigan State, Ohio State's going to be an 8 p.m. game on NABC. Great. Connor Cook, Jeremy Langford are all on the Maxwell Award watch list. Great. I mean, Bendark Award watch list, Curtis Drummond, Trey Wayne, Shalik Calhoun. Great. Remington, award watch list, Jack Allen. Great. Who cares? My point I'm trying to make here, folks, is I don't care about the watch list. I think the watch list is pointless. The only thing I care about is these guys go out there and they play. And when they're wearing the green and white fate, they're going out there and playing and play to an exceptional level. Because Michigan State has an extremely difficult schedule this year. Extremely difficult. Yes, you could say that they have littered with all the good home games, quote-unquote, at home. Ohio State at home. Michigan at home. Great. They have all these great opponents at home. They go to Oregon. They have a tough schedule. But to me, if we're sitting here talking about the watch list, we're talking about the watch list. Who cares? I personally don't pay attention to the watch list. We have Nebraska at home, too. (laughs) At home. Yeah, at home, at home. (laughs) But personally, I don't pay attention to it just because players shouldn't put a lot of emphasis on it. A lot of these watch lists are full of 50 plus guys. So I'm almost like, you know, I think for one of the lists, 76 schools were represented. Yeah. I mean, it's a Captain Obvious thing. Oh, Connor Cook, the offensive Rose Bowl MVP, is on the Maxwell Award watch list. The Maxwell Award is the best offensive player in America. It's good. Seriously? But I don't think they should put much emphasis on it. I, I don't think it's a big deal. John, do you do? No, I think when you have 50 guys Stupid. on a, when you have 50 guys on a list or like say some of these awards you got seven, eight Big 10 schools represented, that's one guy on every team. That's basically just saying everyone's good enough to be on this list, which means in my mind everyone's average. Each one of these teams is average if everyone's making the same list. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at it I'm looking at, oh, Connor Cook is on the watch list for the Maxwell. And I, I cannot even believe this, that this is even news. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to be a part of this media core that we call news. And this is part of it. The Rose Bowl offensive MVP for the 100th centennial edition of the Rose Bowl is on the watch list for the Maxwell Award. Do you think? I'm fine with them keeping these lists going but I think you just why start at 50 players why don't you start at like 20 or something and at least put a little more effort than in all right every quarterback at a starting d1 school is on the best quarterback list in the nation it's like of course why don't we just make the list wider 75 people you can be on the watch list too that's what I'm saying just put (laughs) everyone on the the quarterback list Tyler Beck do you want to be on the watch list why not it's a way not it's a way to never be wrong you can always have the best 10 guys in there no matter what if you guess out of 50 and then you get the reporter that comes in it's like Oh, Fino, I called that months ago. Yeah, with their watch list of 50 friggin' people. Exactly. So I feel like if they shrunk down the list, it would mean so much more, not only for the players. They should get rid of the list. They should get rid of the list. You think so in general? Yeah. Yeah. Get rid of the list. I only care about the list when they do the semifinalists and then finalists. So you get rid of the preseason list, but you just allow it to be built throughout the season. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I agree. There's no point to guess right now who the top 30 quarterbacks in the country are going to to pass. I hate to say it, and it's not being pessimistic. If, God forbid, Jeremy Langford tears his ACL tomorrow in practice, is he still on the watch list? Technically he is until the semifinalists. I'll guarantee 
20 guys on all those lists will become injured and have no chance at it because of that. Yeah, I mean, the watch list is dumb. You let your play on the field take care of itself. I'm a firm believer of talk is cheap because I think it's talk is crap. Go on the field, perform, and who cares? If you're out there performing, Faith, I don't have a problem with it. Now, do you think any of these Michigan State players, I know you don't like the watch list, obviously, okay. but do you think any of these players actually would be apt to winning one of these awards? Yeah, okay, That. Okay. fine, fine. Now that we're talking, yes, I do, I do. I think Jeremy Langford has the best, if we're talking about Maxwell Award winners, or potential Maxwell Award winners. Anyone on the list, any, any list. Any list. Okay, but I'm talking about Maxwell, because this is my strongest point. And then, okay. yeah, no, I... Jack Allen, yeah, maybe he has a chance. Yeah, totally. Maybe he has a chance to win the Remington. I don't know. It's a lineman. Ben Nark, maybe Curtis Drummond has a chance of winning it. Maybe. I don't know. But when I really look at all this watch list, the one guy that stands out to me that really can win that award is Jeremy Langford. Because Michigan State is ground and pound with just Connor Cook sprinkling passes to keep everyone honest. If he can do that, my opinion, Jeremy Langford can run for 1,700 yards this year. That's my opinion. He can run for 1,700. And if he will do that, he will marry very well. Maybe he's a Doak Walker Award winner. I don't know. I think you also got to look at Curtis Drummond for the Thorpe Award and Shalik Calhoun. I mean, Shalik Calhoun is on the Lombardi Award watch list. He's on multiple. <laughs> yeah, Shalik Calhoun, I would say, has the best shot. I mean, I like I like Langford, and Langford is he's a great running back. He wasn't mentioned a whole lot. He had 18 touchdowns last year. Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous, but I I really think you got to look at Shalee Calhoun too. But the thing with Shalee Calhoun, everyone's already talking about him. Everyone's talking about him. He's a sophomore. Everyone's talking about him. I'm sick of it. When you look at someone like Jeremy Langford, yeah, he's good. But you said it. 17 touchdowns last year. Eight consecutive 100 yard rushing performances. School record. No one's t- school record. Mm-hmm. School record. Look at all the running backs that have played here. Seriously, Javon Ringer, Lorenzo White, Le'Veon Bell. Serious, serious running backs. And he's that's a school record. Eight straight games of 100 straight yards. Seriously? That's what I'm talking about is serious. So if you look at all those players, yeah, of course. Maybe Trey Waynes could win something. Trey Waynes is good. Curtis Drummond. Oh, no, no, I think it was Darquez Denard who said this on Jack Ebling's show. He said that, this is from Darquez Denard. He said that Trey Waynes has the ability to be better than him. That's big-time statements. Trey Waynes. The man from Livonia. That's big-time stuff. That's pretty awesome he said that. Yeah, well, he's very humble. That's big-time stuff. So when I'm looking at it, the one guy that no one's talking about, because I don't hear it, because ESPN isn't talking about it, so it must not be true, I think, hands down, Jeremy Lankford has the ability to do that. I'll give you a guy no one else is talking about, but I think he has the best chance of winning out of any of these guys. Based off our season next year, um, I think it's— Michigan State. Yeah. Okay predicting that I think they're going to have a below average season next year. So I don't think any of these guys will be able to put up the numbers to do it. But anyways, Mike Sadler, punter. I think he is the one no one's talking about because one, he's a punter. No one cares. No one probably even knows there's a award for a punter. So I think he actually has a legitimate chance. He was one of the best punters in the country yeah, last year. There's not that many punters out there who was on the list last year, um, who's on this preseason list. So I think if he has, Hopefully he's not punting a lot, but um, I think he's a good enough punter who he could maybe slip in and sneak that award. He might. I, I mean, mean, I could see that because he's got incredible accuracy. Like you said, 42.4 yards per punt. thousand. That's sixth in MSU history, mm-hmm. not to cut you off. No, absolutely. That 42.4 average per punt is sixth in MSU history. Pretty impressive. And 9,164 punting yards. You're right. Sixth best all-time at Michigan State. So we're talking about a punter from Grand Rapids, Forest Hills Northern. But my thing is, okay, when we talk about a punter, yeah, John, I, I, I got to agree with you on that. He's, a, he's hilarious. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you, His John. Twitter is hilarious. Yeah, he's funny. <laughs> follow Mike Sadler on Twitter. He, he's hilarious. He really is. I even follow him. But the thing is, when we look back at it, all these college, I saw a tweet from my friend Al. And it said, you know what? A lot of people love college football, and we can be enthusiasts. But I agree they can be a little excessive because they can be, Al. They are excessive. Because we can all love college football. Everyone here loves college football. But my thing is, when we're talking about these watch lists, it's just a low, it's all this hyped up crap. I don't care about it. I care about how Michigan State performs. And you know what? Everyone's going to be jumping off a cliff because Michigan State's going to go into Oregon and lose. So when they go into Oregon and lose, that's the big thing. Now it's like, oh, is this team as good as they thought they'd be? And then they get the whole thing where everyone comes in close and it's like, no, let's stay. 
you know, some type of way. Let's let's stay close. See, that's the problem with success, though, is that people do have those expectations. I mean, like we were talking about Lan Yu. Are people going to expect that they're going to make it this far next next season? So, of course, Michigan State fans are going to expect that Michigan State is going to go either Big Ten champs or they're going to go to some big bowl. Let me ask you this, Faith, okay? If Michigan State didn't win the Big Ten this year, is that not a successful season? I'm putting you on the spot big time. No, I totally understand that. I wouldn't consider it successful. I would think it's not successful because you take so many strides. And we'll get Tyler in it because I know he's just clenching to get in. (laughs) But the thing is, if you win the Rose Bowl, forget that. But you win the Big Ten championship game. And to me, I'm fine with Michigan State not winning the Rose Bowl every year. I'm not because that's just not realistic. Because they're not that big-time program. They're getting big, but they're not as big as an Ohio State. They don't have the money as an Ohio State or a Michigan. As much as I cannot stand the University of Michigan, their athletics are so messed up, it's pathetic. But they have more money, and they have more endowment. They have better facilities, yada, yada, yada. Coaching, another story. But my point is, if you don't win the Big Ten Championship this year, Tyler, it's a step back. Definitely. you got to build off the Rose Bowl success. I mean... It took so long for Mark D'Antonio to finally get to the Rose Bowl and win. I mean, they got robbed in Kirk Cousins' junior year. They got robbed. They should have gone. But when it's all done and said, you got to win games. You got to get there. And they have to build off this season. If they want to be a consistent, dominant force in the Big Ten, okay. you got to take care of business first. And that starts with Ohio State, and that starts with bro, winning the Big Ten. Bro, let me ask you this. How many wins do you expect out of this Michigan State team? 2014, Michigan State Spartans will win how many games? Nine. Nine. See, that's a step back. Who are they losing to? I think at this point right now, because they did lose a lot of defensive starters, you cannot replace Max Bola. You cannot replace Darquez Denard, Denikos Allen. There's a lot of people. I mean, you know what? Actually, I'll say 10. I'll say 10. Oh, what's the change of heart? They'll get 10 games cuz you know, there's usually one game on a schedule you think they won't they won't like win that they should. Last year it was Notre Dame. They should have won that game at Notre Dame. They were robbed there. Yeah. So at having Ohio State come here is going to be tough cuz Ohio State's always tough. And I think Ohio State's going to be mad after last year. I I think that's going to be tough. That's a toss up. So you have them losing to Oregon? Yes. You have them losing to Ohio State? You said 9-10 wins. Where, I'm trying it's to find close. where your losses it's come from. Because I think Michigan State, the one trap game on the schedule is Penn State. Ah, that's interesting. At Penn State. I agree. That's a, sta- that's a snake pit. Happy, Happy Valley, Happy end of the Valley year. Happy Valley is we- a snake pit. That's a, that's a rivalry game. Land Grant, Michigan State has not played Penn State in four years. Snake pit game. Woo! See, I see have them going 9-2. The Corso. I, I see them going 9-2. And I have them losing to Oregon and Ohio State. Ohio State. Mm-hmm. It's a night game. Michigan State gets jacked up for night games. At home, I don't think they're losing to Ohio State. I really don't think they're losing to Ohio State. I think they lose to Oregon. I think Michigan State will win 11 games. I really do. Because I think their defense arguably is better this year than last year. It could be. It, it has definitely could to. be. Because definitely. when you look at it, when you look at it, yes, you cannot p- replace arguably the best player in SBS history in Darquez Denard for Michigan State. You cannot replace a Jim Thorpe winner, the only Jim Thorpe winner in your program. Okay? But I'm confident with Curtis Drummond. I'm confident with Trey Waynes. I'm confident with Shalee Calhoun. I'm confident with Marcus Rush. I'm not, I can name all these guys who I think are going to excel for this defense. But really, Pat Narduzzi is going to relish what he has because inside three years, he's not at Michigan State anymore. Nope. Sorry. Gone. You don't think he's the head coach in waiting? No, hell no. I think Mark D'Antoni is going to be here for another 10 years. Easily. He even said it. He could have left. Texas was at his doorstep. Texas offered Nick Saban $100 million. They were throwing the kitchen sink and your house at Mark D'Antonio. Michigan State, he said, was a destination, not a stop. So, no, I think Pat Narduzzi is gone. He's waiting. He got that offer from that UConn job. He's not taking UConn. Give me a break. UConn? People don't even go to their football games. Well, he's a Rhode Island guy, so... In terms of like where he's from, oh. they just didn't allegedly they just didn't offer him enough money for his staff. Coach Antonio's an Ohio guy. Okay? Mm-hmm. Youngstown State, Jim Trestle, Ohio State. If Ohio State gets rid of Urban Meyer tomorrow, knocking on the door, Ohio State, 
right at Mark D'Antonio's house. He's listening. I don't think he takes the job, but he's friggin' listening. See, yeah, I don't know about that, though, because he's so close to Jim Trussell, and they wanted to do everything they could to get away from that. So I, I don't They're best know friends. about that. But the point, Jim Trussell, now the president over at Youngstown State University. But the point is, Michigan State has got to watch out. There's some snake games. And, and guess what? They're not a type of way. It's not like that anymore. It's not like that. Everyone's No, everyone's watching out for that. Everyone's watching out for that. They're not they're, – they have a target the size of mid-Michigan, of the state of Michigan, on their back. Everyone's watching out for it. Everyone. So now they have to watch out because when they go on the road, people and teams and fans and experts and every they're going to get magnetized with, this is Michigan State. See you, sweetheart. Watch out for this team. I'm telling you, they are not flying under the radar anymore. You can do all these watch lists. You can do all this. You can do that. Trap games. I think they'll win 11, but they'll have to work for it. And to me, the goal of the season is to win the Big Ten Championship. East versus West. I don't care about the roles. I do. You know what I'm saying. The bowl wins are great. But if you don't win the Big Ten Championship, that's a failure. Because in my opinion, the Big Ten this year is going to be as hard as it's ever been. This is the hardest we'll ever see the Big Ten. Because the East is the hardest division out of the two. You can't even debate with me and tell me that the West is more difficult. Hell no. The East is difficult. Michigan State is after high tread, swim through blood to get to that championship game. Blood will be shed. Tears will be felt. They're going to have to get there. And when they get there, it's going to be a big deal for this team. Sounds like the script at 300. Right? Where's King Leonidas? I'm jacked up. I told you I was fired up. I think Michigan State's got to go out there and put their head down and play. Run through the tackles. That's what they got to do. And if they don't do that, everyone's going to be criticizing them. Because everyone's sitting here talking about how bad Michigan is. Michigan State fans, all they talk about how bad Michigan is. Who cares? See how this team plays. See how this team plays. And all the experts and all the kids that don't know what they're talking about about this team. Let this team play. And if they play right and play the play the game damn right. And when they play it like that, they'll be champions. We'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk Time Warner, ESPN, here on the Pack WDBM. You're listening to the Packs on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Art Council. And now back to the Pact here on 88.9 FM. Welcome back to the Pact. Your host, Fino, after taking a quick breather and a nice ice glass of water, I'm back, and we're continuing to debate all the way to the top of the hour, 8 p.m. on 88.9 FM WDBM East Lansing. I said I was going to get fiery, Faith. I really did. I had to get a lot of things off my chest, and I'm slowly getting those things off my chest. And it was very important, T-Beck, you know, that I had to get that off my chest, and I did. I said it, hey, Vino's Kitchen, someone maybe and will get burnt. <laughs> Happened to be me this time. Happened to be me. And Ty- Tyler, you were great. You were great, though. But I got to get a couple other things off my chest. Yeah, we're not done yet. I don't know if you saw Rupert Murdoch, the guy who owns News Corp. Uh, $80 billion bid for Time Warner Cable. Rejected. 
And Time Warner has a lot of great assets, John. I, I don't know. Um, you can tell our listenership about the assets that what Time Warner carries. And you could tell that Rupert Murdoch has a plan in the back of his mind to maybe and topple the monopoly of the sports monopoly that ESPN is. Well, basically what they would own if they purchased Time Warner. Time Warner has rights to NCAA basketball tournament, which is one of the biggest things that would be the competitor for ESPN because ESPN's never had that. Um, they also have some PGA. Um, they own HBO. They own um, a couple other rights to basketball games. They own, what, the second half, the afternoon games in football, the AFC Championship. Um, CBS has like every other Super Bowl for the next 10 years. So that means they're get, they would get, Fox would get a hold of some of the Super Bowls. Um, and they own some soccer, some UEFA, they own CONCACAF coming up. Um, so they have some pretty big tournaments, yeah. pretty big things that could keep, compete with ESPN. Um, and then basic, just like 40, 50 games of, M, uh, NBA, 40, 50 games of MLB, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so John gave a, a very quick preview of what this would mean to acquire Time Warner Cable. It's a big deal. And if you want to topple and kind of get into that monopoly that ESPN has, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like ESPN. I don't like them. I don't like them. Look, it's not taking away anyone who works for ESPN. Love Stuart Scott. Love John Butchergross. Yes, I love a lot of their personalities. I do love their soccer coverage. I do like their NBA coverage. It's great. But my point is... ESPN has a monopoly in sports, and I'm just rooting for someone to come in and challenge them. NBC Sports is in there, and NBC is only in there because they got the Olympics, and they'll never let go of the Olympics. They just signed a long-term deal to keep the Olympics, and as long as NBC has the Olympics, fine. Okay, fine. ESPN wishes they can have their Olympics. Can't have them. Can't have them. Fox is trying to dabble into it, Faith, but the problem is they don't have the content that ESPN does. Well, I was going to say, have you ever watched Fox Sports 1? Yeah, I watch it every night. Okay, and what's on there? It's exactly what ESPN is. Oh, talking about content-wise or like- Content-wise. Or like Fox Sports Night or like their content-wise. show. Content-wise. Content-wise, well, they're going to have the World Cup now. They have that. They got UFC, which I'm not really into it. NASCAR. NASCAR. I do, I do enjoy NASCAR. I do enjoy NASCAR. Okay? They got some golf, but they don't have the primary golf. Okay? So my big thing is, I think they will have golf. They will have the U.S. Open. That's coming up. They lost that deal with the ES, uh, MEC. That moves over to Fox. And they'd be able to pick up PGA. And they will be able to pick up the PGA with an option. So they're getting the content. It comes overnight. It doesn't come, rather, it doesn't come overnight. It comes slowly. But every night, I do watch Fox Sports tonight. I think it's a great show. How does it compare to just basic sports center? Uh, the thing, it's different. It's different. There's more celebrities on Fox Sports. There's a lot more celebrities. Like, it's pretty interesting listening to Andy Roddick on every night. He's great. Donovan McNabb is on a lot. He's great. They got a lot of, they have more celebrities on that show. And they're hiring people away from ESPN. Mike Hill over there. Rob Stone used to be a guy on ESPN. He moved over to Fox Sports 1. How is it compared to ESPN? It doesn't have the viewership. But to me, it's more of a fun, fan-friendly show. I like it. I mean, it, def- it definitely doesn't have a uh, viewership because Fox Sports won over the last 11 months. 122,000 people were watching it compared to ESPN's 1,070,000. Yeah, Faith, it changes. So, that o- but that's the thing. ESPN has been in existence for 35 years by Walt, you know, Walt Disney. So they have to, if, even if uh, Murdoch, this deal does break through, this is going to take years for them to actually com- start competing on the same level with ESPN. Yeah, it's going to take years because you don't have the content on the show. You don't have that. But this is the first step, is getting some more of that content. And well, I think, yeah. I think it also just takes having a new competitor. No one's just going to turn over to ES- or but, turn off ESPN because that's what they're used to. So it takes time to people and, to figure out what Fox Sports 1 is. I've never watched Fox Sports 1. It's a great I, time. I, I know Check it exists. It I know Faith says she's never watched it. It's not like it's any harder for us to flip over to Fox Sports 1 than it is to ESPN. Why See, don't, but let me ask you this. Why don't you guys watch Fox Sports 1? Because ESPN's just what I've gone to, and there's no point to oh, switch to Oh, so it's to just because it. ESPN, I only watch ESPN. It's not even like I have a preference. Mm. It's just like, like it's Sports always Center. been ESPN, so that's like, what I turn on. You like that new Sports Center set? Looks like shit out of the Jets. Well, I don't really like the new Sports Center set, but I just like the breakdown where quickly they give you what's going on today and the news, and I love that. It's the Jetsons. <laughs> it looks something out of the Jetsons. I love it. Yeah, you like it. Well, if you, I was watching Fox Sport One for the first time today, prepping for this show, and you noticed everything was like dinky because yeah. you're used to a massive ESPN set now. Like they're just sitting at a table and they're like, "Why are they so close? Why I'll is there? What, why I'll, is this shot so?" Like, I'll tell you what I love. I'll tell you what I love about ESPN. 
Okay. To me, ESPN raises a lot of money for charity. And I do love that. I love what they do with the My Wish story. And I love that. The My Wish is great. And the reason why I'm bringing this up now is because when I look at the My Wish, and there's a big thing. Seattle Sounders played Tottenham Hotspur. And there was this big My Wish thing about that kid. And he came in there. He started the game. They were chanting his name. I love that. But ESPN is smart. They marketed the hell out of that. It's great. It's great. So personally, I love that. But that aside, like they're donating their old, their old set, pieces of the old set to charity. They raise tons of money. The Jimmy V Foundation, that's a great foundation. So charity aside, ESPN content-wise is better because Fox is just handicapped. Ten years, John, when you're forced to watch Fox Sports, you'll be forced to watch it because they got the PGA, they'll got the World Cup, and they'll continue to have baseball and they'll continue to have the NFL. And that's not the that's the thing though. That's not it's not me turning on the TV saying I'm going to watch whatever Fox has. I watch wherever the game is at. So if you know the NCAA tournament's on this channel, I'm going to watch it there. So it's not like I'm actually looking to be like, oh, I got to watch Fox or I got to watch ESPN. Yeah, I mean, look. Right now, I'm only watching ESPN because there's no other option. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, because when you need info about sports, where do you go? ESPN. This not is ne- the f- not necessarily John, but that's not necessarily true. normal you- citizen immediately know, would know ESPN over anything ESPN. else. Yes, yeah, I'm not debating that. That's 100 percent true. 6 p.m. weekdays on Fox Sports One, they have a great show. It's called America's Pregame. Watch it. A former ESPN guy, Mike Hill, is the host of that show. It's a it's a phenomenal show. It's a great show. So, no, I, I don't feel that, oh, I got to go and listen to Adam Schefter to see what's going on or Sal Palantonio. I don't feel that need on ESPN. I can get it on Twitter. With the, with, the revolution, with, with the revolution of news, I don't have to turn on the TV to see what's going on in the world. You got social media for that, folks. That's what you got. I don't have to watch the Jetsons and see that because that's what ESPN is right now, the Jetsons. I cannot take that set seriously. I just can't. I just no, it just looks, it's an eyesore. It so, really is. So Time Warner does shoot down this $80 billion offer Yeah, from Murdoch. So he's going to go further. How much do you think he's going to go? I think he's going to go whatever it takes to because Rupert Murdoch is a very, 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 did I say very wealthy man? And he owns News Corp. And News Corp, you know, Rupert Murdoch's Australian, believe it or not. And he's based out of Australia. He's got all these enterprises. He's got... All these, he used to own News of the World and all this stuff in England and the Daily Mirror and all that. He owns media publications and networks everywhere. I think Rupert Murdoch just made a bid of $80 billion and it just fell short. He could come in and say, we're Jim Fossil. We're doubling up. We're going all in. This team's going to the playoffs. Long, what I'm trying to say is he could double up his ante. $200 billion for it. Billion, not million. $200 billion. And if that's the deal for Time Warner, it's whether they want to sell. Because what I'm told, they want to sell it, but at the right price. And $80 billion, in my opinion, is undervalued. The Clippers just sold for $3 billion. It's the Clippers. The Clippers haven't won anything. (laughs) The valuation in economics is up in the air. You just, when you look at it, $80 billion, Faith, is shortchanging it. So, yeah, to answer your question, I think he's going up. I think he has to. And if Rupert Murdoch got involved in Time Warner, watch out, ESPN. Because he... Any publication and channel he gets behind, he pushes it because financially he's not cap strapped at all. And are you okay with those like sports news media sources being monopolies, just them controlling, like let's say Fox gets this and ESPN? Are you comfortable with them both controlling all the media so they have all the rights to everything? They don't have all the rights to everything. But I'm just saying. No, I'm, I mean, but they don't. You, you got to factor if you're going to bring that discussion, you have to look at NBC. Yeah. NBC has a lot NHL, of rights. Yeah. Can they have NHL? They have the Olympics. If you have the Olympics in the they sport. They have more soccer, too. Yeah, they have more soccer. Yeah, you're right. They got MLS. And I know, whoa. They have more regular season have, in European soccer. Yeah, they have, and they have the EPL. They paid for like $300, $400 million for the EPL. So if we're going to talk about the conglomerate of sports entertainment now, and I'm not talking about the WWE, which that would be great. Okay, NBC, <laughs> Fox, and ESPN. Those are the three networks that hold all the marbles, but, and the sports world is held hostage. But you're good with that. Well, who else is there? TBS, that's t- that's technically Turner. So, and which is technically Time Warner. So, yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that because who's got the best NBA coverage? Who's got the best? John, who has the best NBA coverage in your opinion? For TV stations? Yeah. Like show wise or just like just overall, amount of games? No. They- 
Just show. what you personally enjoy. Show and game presentation and a broadcast. I like ABC. I like TNT. I like Bill Simmons, all of them. Bill I like that Simmons. staff. I like I like Jay, Jalen Rose and Bill Simmons. I know a lot of people hate that. I could break it after that comment. But my thing is, I think TNT. So it's a debate. TNT, to me, inside the NBA, is the best sports pregame show for NBA. It's better than inside NBA countdown, all that stuff. Because to me, Jalen Rose, stop. I cannot stand Jalen Rose. But compared to Bill Simmons, he's Michael Jordan. So TNT has got the best fate, my opinion. TNT is great. Who's got the best baseball coverage for playoff postseason baseball? TBS is great. TBS is wonderful. That's all-time Warner. Yeah, TBS yeah. would become Fox. Yeah. 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 See, that's great. Now, who has the best NFL coverage in your opinion? NBC. NBC. Al Michaels. And everyone thought when John Madden was leaving, they'd be terrible. Chris Collinsworth doesn't know what he's doing. NBC is great. Sunday night ba- or baseball. Sunday night football. It's excellent. Al Michaels calling a game is like carrots of gold just all around. You're swimming in that. So my point is to you, Faith, is you look around. We're already arguing what has the best. Just because ESPN has the most of it doesn't mean they have the best. Now, no, all due respect to ESPN, Mike Tirico and John Gruden on Monday night are wonderful. They're great. Their baseball coverage is okay. Sunday Night Baseball has been, in my opinion, down the tubes since Joe Morgan and John Miller have left. Ever since those two guys have left, it's been down the tubes. ESPN's got some great niche shows. College Game Day is a winner. That show's a winner. And ESPN has some shows that are winners. Okay? And, like, NFL, Sunday Countdown, another wonderful show. Winner. Chris Berman, Chris Carter, Key. I can go on it. Every, every station has niches that make them winners, in your opinion. But the fact that we're having the debate and we don't think ESPN has the best of everything gives us hope, John Yales. Gives us hope that, hey, ESPN maybe doesn't hold the sports monopoly that we're debating about. I don't think over time. I think if Fox is able to get these big enough events where people are forced to go to their channel, they'll see, oh, this show isn't that bad, or hey, I'll come back. Because right now, you have to go there willingly. And only NASCAR fans, some golf fans, um, those type of fans are going to Fox Sports 1, or people who are just curious in what Fox Sports 1 is doing. But the average person, I bet you, is just banking on watching ESPN every night because that's what they've done for the past 10 years. Because that's all we know. ESPN really, before Fox Sports came in with Fox Sports Tonight, ESPN was the only wrap-up show that we really had to get all our sports knowledge in one sitting. I'd be lying to you if I told you I don't watch ESPN. I do watch it, and I'm not going to lie about that. But I do watch Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports Tonight as well because I like when ESPN is breathing LeBron James, Johnny Manziel, and every big story down our throats, I like to change the channel in other sports networks that are not breathing and sipping that Kool-Aid. That's what it comes down to. When you look at it, T-Beck, you can't even tell me that you watch ESPN. Johnny Manziel, you look at it. You, if you Google ESPN right now, what is a top story? Yeah, Johnny Manziel's number two league leads jersey sales in the NFL. His number two jersey. That's a top story according to ESPN. Is that a top story to you? I really don't care. I could give a bleep about that. <laughs> I really couldn't. But the thing is, when I see stuff like that, you go to Fox Sports' website and you don't see that, Faith. You don't see that. Oh, they're giving you different content. That's because for sure. they know what ESPN is. And when you look at Fox Sports, their top headlines are they have their content. England skipper Stephen Gerrard calls it quits. FIFA's 2018-2022 World Cup bidding report pushed back to September. Donald Sterling attempt to block the Clippers. Dan Ugla signs with the Giants. Lakers star Michael Cooper. But that's the thing. To be you know, to be a competitor, you have to be different. So that's what Fox Sports, they're trying to make themselves different than ESPN so that they're going to draw a certain crowd. I'll say this. I agree, Faith. It's a different crowd. But in my opinion, their reporting is more objective versus, oh, this is what we have. Instead of reporting crap that people want to hear, regardless what people think, we're going to report sports. And to me, Johnny Mantel's number two jersey being top sales in the NFL is not a story. That's not a story. Yeah, Who really cares? It doesn't matter. So when it comes down to I'm praying for Rupert Murdoch, make a bid, bro. Make a bid. You are a billionaire. You're almost a trillionaire. Go out there and make something happen. That's my thing. So 
When you look at it, you could say it's a sports monopoly. You could say it's not. You could say that ESPN's the greatest thing in the history of the world, but it's not. You got to sit there and realize there's other sports channels available, Tyler. You really do. Well, big show, Faith, fiery show, and I have to say, Fino was a pistol today. You were a pistol. I was a pistol. So for Tyler, thanks for tweeting as always. For a special thanks to John Yells behind the glass as he does in the work that he always does. And Faith, to you as my panelist, thank you for always being here every week. Thank you. Special thanks. We'll see you every Mondays from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. on WDBME Slanting as Fino will continue to embrace the Spartan debate. I promise you, next show, I'll take deep, deep breaths because I don't need to get in Fino's kitchen and get burnt. We'll see you next week, guys. Take care.